Hello, hello. Welcome to the Back Porch Podcast. I'm Corey Dempsey. And I'm Andrew Beam. This week we have come together in mourning for the city of Buffalo. Yeah, we're sad. Short of a buffalo wing shortage, I think this might be the worst week ever for Buffalo because the Bills lost in the divisional round in a heartbreaking fashion to the Kansas City Chiefs. Fuck all you people that keep telling me that it was the best game that ever happened. It Fuck was such a good game. All of you. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I mean, objectively speaking, it was an incredible game, but like it hurt a lot. I think from here on out, it's going to be known as the 13 seconds game. It'll be right up there with the Music City Miracle and wide right as the most heartbreaking Buffalo Bills moments. I think it has to. And in addition to that, we also found out that perhaps our favorite band in the whole wide world buffalo zone every time i die broke up all in the same week it's tough week and uh so what we've done is we've constructed a group to kind of have a therapy session to go through some feelings about this breakup specifically we're going to be talking about every time i die's breakup and to do so we brought in our good friend joe donlin a fellow every time i die fan joe what's going on man just happy to be here are you yeah well I'm sad like you guys, but we'll get into that in a second, I guess. I mean, I think you are responsible for turning me on to every time I die. Really? I feel like you and and Corey, I think I said this before, because Corey at least had the hot damn uh, CD booklet of the two women yeah. touching tongues yeah, it gave, uh, uh, in his basement. Yeah, 12-year-old us little, uh, little boners as we walked down to this basement. I mean, very forthright of you. <laughs> Let's not talk about 12-year-old boners anymore. <laughs> Save that for later. I'm, have to putting, I'm putting the kibosh on that. Don't have to make it any weirder than it already is. <laughs> All right. And to accompany us in this discussion is a beer called Logical Conclusion from Three's Brewing Company. I feel like it was appropriate because after this information started coming out in December, this was really the only conclusion that this band was going to come to. They do have a song called Logic of Crocodiles, too. So that's too. logical. I, I said this to Corey <laughs> where I was like, yeah, logic of crocodiles and then conclusion because it's the end of the band. Yeah, that makes sense, yeah. right? If only they had a logic of crocodiles conclusion. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it is a single IPA from Three's Brewing Company, and we are going to get into this episode. Right now, what we're doing is we're pouring one out for them is what's happening. I feel like we should have just had Labatt Blues. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Labatt Blue Light. Yeah, there you go. That's like all Buffalo. Classic Buffalo beer. I mean, it's Canadian, but... Yeah, well... Whatever, it's still Buffalo, Buffalo. basically. Buffalo is Canada East. I was looking at Every Time I Die's Wikipedia, and I think their first show, it said, was in Canada. So So they're basically a Canadian band. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Canadian zone. Canada zone? (laughs) All right. So we are going to get started with this discussion. And where we have to begin is this breakup. You know, it came out a week ago. It was very, very public. A lot of back and forth bickering amongst band members. And, well, really, it's kind of one on one side and four on the other side. And a lot of things are happening. You know, Joey, what was your initial feeling emotion when this first broke in December and then when it became official how did you feel 
So when it first broke in December, I guess it was like it was like family members bickering in a way. And it was like I was like, man, this this really kind of hurts my heart to watch. You know, it, it wasn't fun to watch. And it was worse than watching mom and dad fight. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Once it started happening, I just knew the the end was near and and I got really sad about it. But I was hoping for the best, you know, fingers crossed that they would just get back together. There was a, a nice little moment of silence, too, in there, too, where it was like, oh, is everything kind of getting back together? They just didn't talk about anything. And then they did to the season and everything seemed to go fine. Those performances then, seemed great. But then, boom, nope, it <laughs> wasn't fine. Out of nowhere. Yeah. So that's where I'm at. I, uh, I'm not happy about it. I mean, I was actually initially in denial. But really, my gut reaction was, uh oh, because you saw Keith come out and say he was going to be taking a hiatus from every time I die, uh, every time I die to focus on his mental health. And then the band put out a statement following that saying they supported him and that they were going to continue on with the tour they were on, but have people come up and sing songs, like have fans come and sing songs, which like I, I remember seeing that and being like, Oh, that'd be fun as fuck. How much fun would that be to get on stage and actually perform one of their songs? I mean, that was also just something they did in the past. Like it wasn't yeah. it wasn't new. And then Keith came out with the statement basically saying, like, hey, they were trying to get me. I heard Jordan talking about someone trying to get me replaced. Uh fuck these guys. Like they they have not they've they haven't been as supportive as I thought they would be. But so yeah, basically like that happened. And then like basically said their statement was proof. That, that they were going to try and replace him, that they were going to move on without him. And in his mind, were they, they would hope like holding open auditions for fan members? Like, I don't understand I, I don't how that was like a signal to, to him. Like, that's what I didn't get. Like, this was something that had happened in the past. And all of a sudden, he's feeling all sorts of ways about it. And I was just like, this doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Nothing was adding up. Like, it just felt weird. But I initially was, you know, I, I felt I, I still feel bad for Keith. And so, yeah, I just it was hard reading all of that. I didn't want to believe it. I didn't want to believe that this was going to be the end. And then, yeah, just like Joey said, like they did to the season. They had a conversation. They must have ironed some shit out. I watched videos from the performance. It looked like everything was going well. And then you didn't hear anything. You didn't hear about the cancellation of any of the tour dates with Under Oath, which were coming up pretty soon. So. I thought nothing of it. And then, bam, this was the last show for Andy, Goose, Jordan, and Steve. See you later. Thanks for your support. Did either of you guys kind of feel like, like for a second, like think, oh, is this some sort of bit? When he did the bathtub thing, I was like, oh, my oh wait, God. this is like some ploy to like, oh, and by the way, we have a DVD coming out. Or yeah, something. <laughs> right. No, like, well, yeah, what you're referring to is like in between when we saw those statements going back and forth and Keith talking about a hiatus and Keith is literally, yeah, in a bathtub taking a video for an Instagram story like, guys, I'm fine. I am. I am the best I've ever been, which I hate to say it are always red flags. Yeah. Okay. Anyone trying to assure you from a bathtub, from a bathtub that they're OK. It's it's just like, oh, no, the Instagram live from the bathtub. That was the end. Like there was there's no coming. There's no coming back from that. <laughs> you know, when I initially heard about it, I was like, ah, maybe, you know, it's just little issues. And then he does an Instagram live from a bathtub. And I was just like, no, no fucking way. No one comes back from this. He's going he's going to some serious lengths to really reassure us that he's OK. 
Yeah, and like so. Okay. So when the official news broke, I was not surprised. Like one iota, I was just like, "Yeah, makes sense." Yeah. 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 That's you were pretty much just like, "Well, uh huh." I I was. I was like, "No, (laughs) I need more answers." it's like a broken marriage. Like you could keep trying, but like, what's the point? We all know how this is gonna end. Like, come on. And this sucks because we're we're doing this episode, and it's kind of a follow up to our previous episode that we did on Every Time I Die, which is a straight up appreciation post. Sorry, post uh, podcast about the band. And at that point, we were all like super hopeful about the future. Was this before they did the um, the telethon? The fake telethon? I feel like it was immediately afterwards. I think it was like April 2020 that we kind of sat down with Mike and just appreciated every time I die for everything they've done for us in the past. And, you know, at that time, we knew there was a new album coming out. We did not have a release date. We knew that it was going to be a little more, as Keith had said, politically focused. Man, when that album came out, fuck, I mean, we were we were hopeful. We're like, there's going to be every time I die tours. We're going to be able to see them live again. I can't wait for this. And the album fucking rip. The yeah. the album rip. We were hopeful, yeah. and then this 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 happened. Little did we know it was going to be the last. Yeah. Every time I die album, which kind of like with the Bills and how it was like, oh man, that was that was like one of the greatest games though. I had people being like, well, what a great swan song to go out on. I'm like, fuck you. I don't need that. Kinda I don't like, need this constellation bullshit. Kind of like Tom Brady, right? <laughs> no, nah, I mean when we recorded that, we were very hopeful about this album and, you know, we're really looking forward to it coming out. It it's bittersweet in a way. You know, I am glad that like they went off on a high. I mean, yeah. they did deliver with a fucking absolute ripper of an album. And, you know, we haven't talked about that album much on the podcast yet. So, let's just take a moment and appreciate this kind of last piece of art that they gave us you know joey i know you're a big fan of this album you know what do you love about it so much what what really spoke to you on this one yeah so i guess i i like the urgency and i i i always feel like i use that term with them is that there's an urgency to their music it feels like there's a reason that you want to listen to every single album and this one like beam said had the politically charged kind of message to it but also just felt like pent-up anger from the past year and a half leading up to it, maybe two years. I can't remember when they like released it, but it just felt like there was something that pushed you through every song and wanted you to listen to the next song. It, I, I actually think Keith vocally in this album took it to another level. Pete. And some of the stuff that he did was just like, I was in the lyrics that he did it with, it was, I was just like, my jaw was on the floor sometimes the first time I listened to it. So I think that's kind of my like, you know, two second review of the album, but the urgency, urgency is a big word with them for me because I feel like they're always coming in, they're coming in real hot and they don't stop until the last song. Yeah, it's, it's a relentless album. It really is. And I think that pent up anger is a great way to kind of describe what was being expressed here. Beam, what, what were your, what were your feelings on, on the first kind of listen through that album? I mean, a lot of the thing you guys are saying where it's it's also to when I think about every time I die and I think about the fact that they're coming out with a new album, all I can really think is like, how, what the fuck are they going to do? How are they going to evolve and move past what they did on their last album? 
not to say that they just kept getting better and better with each album, which I do think to a certain extent they did. Maybe they were just like fine tuning things. Like I think we all agree, got a phenomenon, not our favorite album. It's not a bad, bad album in particular, but you know, I think there's parts of it where you're seeing the evolution of them, but either way, it just felt like everyone was just at their peak on this. Like everyone was just bringing like the songwriting from both Andy and Jordan was phenomenal. Keith's voice. I mean, I don't think these are his best lyrics, but it's the best he had sounded vocally. His singing is at its best. Thing with Feathers, I think that's one of the greatest vocal performances. Like that song literally made me cry. Like that is such a beautiful song. I mean, it was during a time uh, that was very rough for me just after, after, after the birth of our son and just ours like going through a crazy adjustment. But that song made me emotional. His vocals on things like hostile architecture are just astounding. The breakdowns in that are insane. That's the other thing. They fucking, I think you texted me this, Joey. They brought back like just breakdown after breakdown. But it yeah. wasn't, it didn't just feel like breakdowns for breakdown's sake. Yeah, I mean, what that just made me think of, Beam, is that when I kind of look at the arc of their career, they came out hot out of the gates with, you know, the first two records. And they were messy. They were, you know, not fully evolved, but they were just all the ideas and they kind of put them out there. There's this rough middle section, I think, through the album with Underwater Bimbos. Which one's that one? X Lives. X Lives. I think that middle period up to X Lives was just like a lot of experimentation, a lot of trying to figure things out. And then the last three records have just been absolutely perfect, each and every one of them. Low Teens, For Parts Unknown, and Now Radical. And I honestly think on Radical, the stretch of the album right in the middle, where it goes Desperate Pleasures, All This in War, Thing with Feathers, and Hostile Architecture... There's never been a better four song run on an album, like maybe in anything, but oh. certainly in their catalog, like that four song run. I'll just I'll just listen to those like I don't even need the rest of the record. I'll just listen to those four songs right in a row. I don't know. I can't deny Sly. Just Well, it's the first album, the opener. Oh, uh, Dark, Dark Distance. Distance. Dark Distance. Yeah. To open up with just like that, that sort of feedback and then him just screaming spare only the ones I love slay the rest. I'm like, holy shit. I was obsessed with it. I made my I made my like two to three month old son listen to it multiple times. Good dad. I think. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I I do think so, Corey, you talking about like their discography and how they uh, evolved through it. I do think that when they got to gutter phenomenon, they were like, hey, we need to work out some songwriting, right? And <laughs> I think they were like, I don't know how to do this. And then they didn't do it very well for like, you know. Uh, they did fine. They, they it was got good. through it. Yeah, they got through it. Yeah, for like five records, and then they were like, "Oh wait, this is how you do it." And yeah. then this is how you do it while also just fucking ripping too. And then so. Keith is like, "If I stop smoking, I can actually like improve on my vocals." <laughs> yeah. No, and, and Joey, you're exactly right. Like the first two albums are just parts. They're not songs. They're just parts stitched together, and they're dope parts. They openly said that too. Like you said, like from Parts Unknown, they really figured it out. Like those are fully fleshed out songs and ideas, and it still has all the energy of the earlier record. And they've just been like fine tuning it on these next kind of two records. And you know what? Go out, go out at your apex. Like let's avoid the whole downward trajectory. Like sure, it's not the best way. I would, I would have wished like they just kind of went out and be like, you know what? We, we've done it. We've accomplished it. 
let's let's move on to other things. This was a messy breakup, but like I think it was the appropriate time. It's like winning after you or retiring after you win a Super Bowl. No, 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 no. At least give us a couple more tours on this. Could we have at least seen it? Like, I would risk getting COVID. A final tour is what's up. Because, like, you know, when I saw Have Heart on their final (laughs) tour, like, the and I saw saw their literal last show, and the emotion there was just nuts. So, like, that's the way to do it. If you're going to go out, just say, like, this is going to be our last show. And a farewell tour would have been great. (laughs) I figured they would have said that at least about Tid the Season. But I wonder if you just knew, and I don't think any, well, no, I think they actually did play those shows knowing those are going to be their last shows. So maybe you saw a great performance from them. Yeah, this this is the this is the uh, farewell show. So I think I might have figured it out, though, Corey, because you said Parts Unknown is, um, from Parts Unknown is where they really turn that corner. It's got to be uh, Keith, Bal- is a Keith Baloo from, uh, from Converge. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Kurt Ballou from Converge. I think. I mean, if there's a band that can do that, literally that, Converge. Like yeah. they started out the same way. They were just a bunch Parts. of that actually didn't even sound like music as much as uh, Every Time and Eyes does. And no. now they're like a legit like metal band. Like, Remember when we were into that though? When we were younger, like I, we, they don't even have played a, that. They don't <laughs> even have a yeah right. They don't even have a chorus. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck choruses, fuck bridges, fuck songs so writing structures. It's, so it's like easier to write a song that way. No, it is. And like, whatever. Before you really know, the songwriting structures exist for a reason. And it's because they they work. And like when you're a teenager and you're just like anti everything, of course, you're going to be into shit that like just doesn't make sense musically. But like it rips. Yeah. You know, immaturity. And they matured as a band and we matured as listeners. I don't know if they all fully matured them. Yeah, when no. that was 2003 to 2005. <laughs> we we went it through as many lineup changes as maybe this band has too. Not as many bassists. That's Not as many. Mean. No, <laughs> we just switched bassist and singer. A lot of, a lot of lineup changes. So you know this is kind of in our way a eulogy to a band that we love very much. So I think as with any good eulogy. I feel like there should be some anecdotes, some things that you're going to remember. So, Beam, if you had to isolate one, what is kind of your fondest memory of this band? Was it a record? Was it a show? You know, talk to us about it. That is right. Joe just shook his head. It's so hard because there's a lot. There's one that you guys told me a story of that I didn't even get to physically see. But I always like remember and will tell to people like my friends went to this one show and this happened because I always just think it's like just like the epitome of the band. The one that will always stick out to me. I mean, all their shows were great. I hate the fact the last time I saw them was at a to the season in 2016 before it became the Riverworks building or show that they do now. But the one that like truly stands out is one time when we saw them at Northern Lights and there was a barrier, which is rare. It used to kind of be no holds barred, like sort of at Northern Lights, but there was a barrier and there was security in front of the stage. And they weren't letting people on stage. And it was visibly irritating the band. Like, they didn't like that. They loved to have bands on stage constantly jumping off stage and stage diving. Or when they do Werewolf, when they used to do Werewolf, they would literally invite the entire crowd on stage, it would seem. But that wasn't happening. And Keith Buckley decided to say, now, guys, I am not telling anyone here to do this. But if I were you... 
<laughs> I would be finding anything that I could jump off of the bar. The he was just like pointing out different objects in the room where he just wanted to start seeing people jump off of. And I don't know if you guys were at this show. Do you guys remember this at all? Or? I wasn't at that one. Okay. I was not at that one either. Maybe I'm making this up, or maybe I I I, I think I saw someone actually jump off the bar. <laughs> and like this is this band just brings chaos and it's wonderful but that that is a memory that always sticks out in my head because i was just it just to me it epitomizes like the band did have a very punk rock feel to it so it was just like yeah this is this just feels like a this a great example of who they were as a band i i agree i think as far as epitomizing a band who is angry at authority <laughs> That's pretty much that's pretty much it. And wanting to just cause chaos like at their shows. Chaos agents who hate authority. Yeah, that's pretty accurate. Uh, Joey, do you have a couple uh, distinct memories from this band? Yeah, I, I would say it's live shows, too. I, I mean, their albums. I was always excited for their albums. I we I just talked about how like they all kind of brought their own thing. And then every single time I was like, this is a must listen, you know, first right. day right when it comes out. Yeah. Listen to the whole thing front to back. But that being said, I'm going to give two. So there was one time at Northern Lights. It was a Northern Lights show. And this was just like my own little fun memory of them. But it was during a Bolarama. And somehow I was on a pylon at the front of the stage, like yeah. at the top. And I think like, I don't know, in my head, it was <laughs> when he was saying there were mercy fucks, there was blood. But during that time, Keith gave me like a bro handshake. <laughs> <laughs> And so I was just screaming at him and gave him a bro handshake. And that While was yelling, really, there were really mercy tight. fucks, there yeah. was blood. <laughs> yeah. So that was tight. Um, and then my other one, I don't know. I'm assuming, Corey, you have a very similar experience. Well, I'll do the whole lead up on this one because I feel like it was almost like a, what's that Linklater movie? The set in the 70s. Um, Days and Confused. Yeah, Days and Confused kind of like day for me. Okay. Um, and then it ended in an Every Time I Die show. So anyway. It was the first time I saw Every Time I Die. It was at Saratoga Winners. It was like 2003 or something. I don't know. Hot Damn had just come out. This is the I, memory I'm recalling. I didn't really know them that well, nor did I think they were all that good. I thought every song on that album kind of sounded the same at the time. And so I wasn't super into it, but I listened to it heavily because I knew we were going to the show that night, but like doing other things during the day with like a bunch of friends and then at the end of the day, we all were like, all right, we're going to this show. We went to Stewart's beforehand. We chugged like energy drinks or something. I don't even remember. And we went to the show and it was fucking insane. Like absolutely the most insane thing I've ever seen in my life. I've seen Dillinger Escape Plan a bunch of times. I've seen like yep. really crazy, like touche, all that stuff. This this took the cake by far. But there was one part in it. And I always thought it was during Off-Broadway where he was saying one, two, three, one, two, three, keep it up, one, two, three, savor it, savor it, savor it. And then he just said, holy fuck, because he was just looking out at everyone just climbing on stage trying to get to the mic. And he, you know, finished the song, but he just like couldn't even like respond to what was going on in the crowd. And on the way out from that show, somebody got punched in the face right in front of me. Um, and that was kind of funny too. <laughs> See, I always thought it was during floater during the ending breakdown. It could have been, you know, it's one of those things. So like Bean was just saying, and I think this is like also something with them that there's so many possibilities of what could have happened <laughs> at these shows Absolutely. where it's like, 
like is it legend in my mind or is it like is it like myth or is it reality you know yeah like, there was because i remember thinking about the security guard there literally wanted to fight people yeah this is on so the poughkeepsie and holyoke massachusetts show that i'm referring to this is on the x lives tour i rem- i could have sworn thinking like man if someone jumped off that balcony right now that's a way to get around and i feel like that's what that guy did and the one security guard that I'm referring to was the most upset I'd ever seen. He's like, I can't get him. I swear that happened. I couldn't be more. And then actually, I would also say it's actually in a photo from the Holyoke show. Me jumping. Oh, it looks like I'm jumping over Keith Buckley. Wow. In that like tiny little bar that I almost felt was like a sea shanty or some shit like that. You got to try know. to get that picture. And like, I have it, it, dude. It is literally my like profile picture in Hang Instagram, in in Facebook. House, like, if we, it. once we get, once we get a house, that's what I'll do. I think it's a dope photo. I am literally mid flight. <sighs> Corey, what about you? I mean, it's the funny thing about memory though, because I mean, we were, I was 17 at that show. So that was what? 18 16 15 years ago i don't even know uh math is we can tough do math. We can do math. <laughs> but you know i think it was floater but what what is not up for debate is the fact that there were so many people on stage going for the microphone and tackled keith that he said holy fuck or holy shit into the mic and it was very audible like that was pretty epic i think my 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 other one that's really sticking out to me. I saw them open for the used. It was more like a co-headline deal, but they they played first at a used show, and I was 28 years old. When I was 28, I wasn't really going in pits anymore. wasn't really my thing, but something about the energy and kind of being transported back to a different time of my life. I was 28 years old, and I was in the pit like I was 16 again, and that was just something that like this band had the ability to do. It, it was timeless in a way for me. So like that is something that sticks out. Like I, I hadn't been in the pit in like 11 years at that point. <laughs> and all of a sudden, 28 years old, I'm going in with a bunch of teenagers and kids and I'm like, ah, oh, this is a lot of fun. <laughs> let's, let's, let's do this thing. Yeah. I saw them once in Pittsburgh at Mr. Smalls and uh, like, I was just standing in the back and like, they they made it so you can only drink in like this little section in the back. So I just like was like standing in the back with a beer, and then I was like, floater came on, and I was like, oh man. And I turned to the person I was with, I was like, hold my beer, and I just <laughs> I, I ran up and just jumped on the back of like a fifteen year old, and like it's <laughs> like Dude, that's I'm, exactly the same. Like I just handed my oh, friend my beer. I was like, hold this, I, I gotta go. <laughs> Dude, so we when I that last show that I went to, and at same age, I was twenty seven. And I went there with my my wife, Sarah, and I remember just saying to her, I'm like, I'm going to chill back here, like drink beers and like just kind of I just want to I just want to enjoy the chaos. I just want to see it. And I don't know what fucking song came on. I know it's like I don't even think it fucking matters. It's not even a really important detail. I just remember just something came on. I turned to her and she just kind of looked at me and I'm like, uh, can I get a hair tie? And like and got a hair tie, took off my hat. I was wearing glasses then, took off my glasses, took off my hoodie. I'm like, do you mind holding these? And she's like, yes. And then I just was gone for the rest of the night. My wife just like stood on the edge, just watched me like, like a proud parent. Just like, there, there he goes. Yeah, look at him jumping off stage again. Look at him. Look at his stage time. He's all oh, look at him crowd serve. Oh, he's having a grand old time. Like from a live perspective, I just feel like, I, I don't know. I don't see it with any other band. The way that they 
get you to that point. Like they get you there. Like they do that to you because they mm-hmm. start off with like three songs without even stopping a stop a song before going into the next song. And then you're just like, all right, I'm just fucking amped because you just ripped three of the best songs in a row. <laughs> and before you even dove into like where every time I die or any sort of banter. And now you're like, yeah, I have to go up to the front of the stage and I have to scream into that microphone at least once. Dude, Andy is 43, just starting a pro wrestling career, mind you. (laughs) But they're still play. They still have the energy, the physical ability to play the way they were playing. And they, without what just recently happened, showed no signs of stopping. Yeah. (laughs) So it's crazy. It is. It's wild. And Joey, to what you were saying, like, it was never the first song that I'm like, all right, it's every time I die, they're playing. I'm 28 years old. I'm going. It's just like an emotion that comes over you, like song six. And you're just like, I can't contain this anymore. I have to go. And there, there's something. <laughs> I yeah, I there, can't just stand here. There's something special about that in like terms of the set list, in terms of the way they play. Like they just raise the energy and like. It's something that you just, I, I can't sit here and just drink my beer. I have to go. I got to. It's Tony Hawk Pro Skaters. So they're, they're, <laughs> um, they're, you know, powering up their special meter. And then you just fucking go right when they're, you know, you're trying to do the, the coffin slide or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> I can't remember any. I don't know, man. <laughs> if they were to have opened up now with fucking Dark Distance, that would hit hard live. And then I, I think you would just see just insanity right off the bat i mean i don't know i i just feel like romeo gogo is just still like the best opener like it just it rips so hard when they open with that underwater bimbos from outer space is a as a set opener too like that comes at you pretty quick yeah. and pretty and intense anyone who's listening if you're drinking every time i say rips uh i feel like <laughs> probably pretty drunk but yeah it's pretty good do we think there is any chance of no. a reunion tour down the no. road no no <laughs> Not the way that ended. Not the way. Not the way that it continued to end. No, I agree. What's what's like legal statements are being passed back and forth and posted on the internet? I was like, yeah. Once I don't think there's. I don't think there's any amount of money that's going to bring them back for some show. Like these festivals throw ridiculous amounts of money at bands to like reform to do something. Right. I don't think there's any amount of money that's going to get these five guys on a stage again. I really don't. No, it doesn't sound like it. From like a core group of guys that actually seemed like ironclad. I just didn't see this sort of thing coming. And the way that it ended, the fact that four of the members of the band had to literally get a lawyer to tell the other member, hey, they're not in this band anymore. And you can't just take the name and tour on it. Also, do we just, you know, address the elephant in the room? Like, what the fuck happened? If you're asking me, like, I think it's fairly clear that Keith Buckley had a break from reality. Like, in short order, he divorced his wife, was living in an RV with his girlfriend, torched the band that he was in and was in for 18 years. 23. He's he's going through it right now, and I feel for him. But, like, I think there's a serious issue here. No, there definitely is. I mean, obviously, he admitted that he hit rock bottom when it came to out. So this is all public, too. There's none of this is just like sort of conjecture at this stage. This is all statements being <laughs> that the band have made that Keith has been very open about and has talked about. 
but yeah, he was an he basically kind of admitted to being an alcoholic and that he hit rock bottom, that he needed the change, felt that he was in a relationship that was dead, that there was no happiness left in it, and felt he needed to leave. And what precipitated that, I guess this this woman Angie, his new his now girlfriend, reached out to him to just see how he was doing and he opened up to her. He left his wife and they got together and now they're living a very sober life in an RV, just RVing around, RVed on tour as opposed to being with the band in their van. Do Steve, Jordan, Andy, and Goose continue on, do you think? It sounds like they might. I really hope they do. And honestly, like as the albums grew, like I, w- I was talking about Keith's vocals and Radical a lot, and I think they're great. But as time went on, like I grew to appreciate this, the songwriting from a guitar bass drum standpoint and i i think they're phenomenal musicians and if they continue on it i'm gonna listen to any album for sure no matter who the which i hate saying that no matter who the singer is gonna be yeah but just can they just play with josh goggin like is that okay thing to do doesn't have to be every time i die of course can we just have like him fronting them that would be fascinating that'd be tight i'm in yeah and like make it like the first chariot record where it's just like all feedback and like (laughs) Uh, like, but, but with like really sick riffs and like actual through choruses it. and actual song structure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Come in. Let's do it. Yep. It's been a good run. No, it's really sad. And it's sad to know that this probably is just completely it. I mean, listen, I know that with the way we kind of talked about things, I, I hope Keith gets right. The one thing I did want to bring up, and I think it's funny that it just seems to coincide with when I watched it. You know, I watched the Get Back documentary with the Beatles, right? Now, I only bring this up because I kind of see a few parallels with what has happened here with Keith and his girlfriend. Guys, did did every time I die get Yoko Ono? It seems that way. Possibly. I also felt like my grandpa was telling me a story right there, like <laughs> <laughs> the way that you delivered that. Yeah, I think that's the distinct possibility. And, you know, I maybe it is. Maybe, like, he is fine and he just needs to completely leave this part of his life behind. And you know what? I hope so. Um, I hope everything. I hope. I hope everyone's good. I really do. I, I I do as well. And it seems it seems like some of them are. Most of them are. Andy is doing the best. It seems, but yeah. Well, he has he has all that other stuff going on. You know, he's got the another butcher. career. He's yeah. the butcher in AEW. AEW, yeah. AEW's taking over. It's great. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, it is. I it actually. Is fun. His character is great. The Butcher and the Blade. Yeah. The fucking, they're a great pair. I don't know. <laughs> I like Steve's it. got a tiki bar, right? <laughs> Dude, I don't know if that's like his thing. I don't know if it was like an open for, like every single time I would say to Corey, like when we were going to Buffalo, was, we need to go to the bar. And I was just like, I don't think it's open to the public, man. Don't you think there'd be a lot more people there if it was open to the public? We we need to go to that bar. I'm still, <laughs> I'm still of that opinion. <laughs> I think he's got his hands in like other real estate deals or some shit like that. He's definitely involved he in the every estate. time I die Airbnb, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, the old the the hot damn house. Yeah, where they recorded or wrote hot damn. We need to know. stay there yeah. too. We need to go to Steve's bar. We need to stay at the hot damn I Airbnb. Been, I have been pushing for it. Yeah, you really ever have. since I realized it happened. Yeah, and no one has has taken who's no one's bit. Yeah, yeah, we've been shitty friends about that. I really wish you guys were better friends about it. Let's let's go. (laughs) 
Wait, okay. What's what's the weather like? Let's go right now. Like I don't care. What's the weather like? I don't know. I think it's fine in Buffalo because they're west, obviously. And the East Coast just got slammed. But yeah, uh, for once, it's actually been oddly better. enough, right? Yeah, but uh, yeah, I don't know how the weather is. I I, I got I, I I have shit to do. I'm sorry. We also have the Western New York Brewery Tour on the drive out there. We got we, right. got, we got a lot right. of shit to do. Listen, there's there's shit to do. Yeah, it's it's Buffalo is a wonderful place, but it it it. it it's hurting now. It's a sad. Currently. It's, it's, yeah. it's a sad. It has, for Buffalo. Yeah. Well, it's There's just a cloud hanging over. It's it a sure. sad existence in general, too, because the Sabres just have been upholding like the sadness for quite some time. So I don't, I don't know that many people care about the Sabres. There's I'm a just... lot of people that care about the Sabres. <laughs> They've been so... I've stopped caring about the Sabres. <laughs> just... They had there a couple was... years yes. with Hashik and Miroslav Shatan. Those were was, good years. You... The last year was 2006. So. <laughs> All right, we got to get out of here because we were talking about the Sabres, and that is the ultimate sadness. Um, <laughs> They're playing right now. Joey, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for coming yeah. on with us. Thanks for having me on. Um, actually, just one last thought about every time I die, and I think this is like the overarching theme here. Okay. Like, they they went out on a sad note, and we're all sad about it, and we just talked about sadness for a while. But we also reflected on so many good times that were because of that band, and that's like... We I think that's the epitome of every time I die is there's there's depth to them, but ultimately there's hope. And like this is just like a really fun thing that we got to experience. We got to be a part of for 20 plus years and we should be grateful for it and not think about just the way it ended, but think about all the great times that brought us. It's very I, true. I want to openly accept your positive vibes, but I'm stiff arming them like Mar- Marshawn Lynch right now because I just I just want to be I just want to be with my emotions right now. Should have recorded this like a couple months from now. Yeah, Give I know. Me time to grieve. I want to be in my feelings still. I agree with what you said earlier, Corey. Like I don't I don't know if I wanted to see the moment where it just it wasn't working anymore, but they thought it was, and that each album and now they're just trying to reassure us that it's the best album they've ever made, and we all clearly know that it's not. And then their live shows suffer, and I just don't want to miss that. I, I, I'm glad we're not experiencing that, I should say. I'm sorry. I agree. And, Joey, I agree with you. Like, ultimately, I'm not that sad about it. I hope everyone's okay. I hope everyone's doing well. Thanks for all the great music and great times. Appreciate you. And let's move on with our lives. <laughs> it's just sad to know it's not around, but, yeah, I guess we can just move on. <laughs> All right, so we are going to get out of here. You can follow us on Instagram at Back Porch Media, on Twitter at Porchback Media, and you can listen to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and wherever you get that stuff. We think on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> we know that sorted. some of the episodes aren't working. We're trying to figure that out. And yeah, that's about it for us. See y'all. Bye, everyone. Bye, guys.